I'm Danny Kelly, host of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. And from now until the draft, we are turning our feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show to talk all things draft with me, Danny Heifetz, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. Check us out on Tuesdays and Thursdays and search the Ringer NFL Draft Show. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Netflix, presenting The Crown as the beloved series bids farewell. Deserving of praise on every level, says New York Magazine. Throughout its groundbreaking six-season run, The Crown has featured three different casts, earned 273 award nominations, and secured 70 award wins, including outstanding drama series. Critics rave, The Crown secures its place in the pantheon of television history. From creator and writer Peter Morgan, the final season stars Imelda Staunton, Dominic West, and SAG Award winner Elizabeth Debicki. The Crown, for your Emmy consideration in all categories. It is Thursday, February 23rd. If you're into sports like I am, you probably watch a lot of what's called the regional sports networks. Those are the local channels where I watch the Dodgers, Lakers. You may watch the Seattle Mariners, Golden State Warriors. These are not the national games or the NFL, which pools its TV rights together. And during the heyday of the cable bundle, the RSNs, as they're called, were a fantastic business for almost everyone involved in baseball, basketball, and hockey. The network owners pay big fees to the individual teams for the rights to show their games locally. And then cable and satellite customers, that means you, me, your grandma, who wouldn't even know how to find the local team channels, we paid fees in our bills, regardless of whether we ever watched the games. Huge business. But like so much these days, the ground is shifting under the RSNs. Cord cutters are bringing down the number of cable subscribers in dramatic numbers as the leagues are charging more and more for rights. All of a sudden, last week, Diamond Sports Group, the country's largest RSN owner, said it will skip a $140 million interest payment on almost $9 billion in debt, and it will likely enter bankruptcy shortly. It's a real oh-shit moment for the RSN business. Diamond has 19 networks under the Bally's Sports brand. It televises about a third of all MLB, NBA, and NHL games. It owes about $2 billion in fees to teams this year. A bankruptcy here could throw the games into chaos, though the leagues say they're ready to step in and offer games themselves if necessary. This is probably only the beginning of the end for the RSN business, but what will replace it? Most of these networks will soon be underwater, and a la carte digital subscriptions to teams probably won't generate nearly as much revenue as before. It's a predicament that our guest today has studied a lot. Brandon Ross is a partner at Lightshed, which is an analysis and venture firm for the media business, where he specializes in sports media, among other things. He was also at the NBA's All-Star Weekend in Utah and its tech summit that it puts on. So Brandon's going to give us his insights and reporting on the future, if any, of the RSN business and where we will soon be watching our favorite local teams. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Brandon Ross, who is a partner at Lightshed Partners, uh, which is a media analysis and venture firm that covers the media and telecom business, including entertainment and including sports media. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Matt. 
I'm a fan of your podcast that you do with your Lightshed partners, and I always read your research reports. And I was very interested in this topic of the regional sports networks because I am a sports consumer. I watch a lot of local LA sports, and it's in trouble. It's not a great time for the RSNs, and it's amazing how much this has shifted in the past five to seven years because I remember when the business was amazing and you would read about a $25 billion deal. The Dodgers signed to launch their own channel. And, you know, the Lakers have a record deal and everybody's, you know, trying to cash in. And now look where we are. These, these RSNs are in the shitter. (laughs) That's one way to put it. That's a technical term. (laughs) I think that Lakers deal may have actually marked the absolute top of the RSN market. And I know that after Charter bought Time Warner Cable, they had to mark down um, that uh, that deal that they did almost immediately. And things really? have evolved since in the overall RSN market. All right, so let's let's get into this because the impetus here is this potential bankruptcy filing by Diamond, which is branded as Bally's. If it's in your market in the U.S., you may have a Bally's Sports Market, uh, Bally's Sports Channel. And they have a ton of debt. They have declining revenues. They have declining viewership. And they don't have a lot of options. So what are the options here? Give us your view on this. Well, let's kind of level set on the RSN business in general. The reason that it was such a profitable business was because there was always the idea that if somebody either A, cut the cord or B, shifted from a multi-channel video service to another, that the loss of that subscriber would be impactful to the overall earnings of the cable company. And a lot of that was because of this bundling between the cable service and broadband which made the lifetime value of a subscriber very valuable. You pay for what you don't watch. That's right. You know, my mom my mom pays for the same Lakers channel I do and she never watches it. Exactly. But what happened was the world changed a lot and there were tons of other video options and entertainment options that didn't exist before and we've had cord cutting. I'm sure many of your listeners no longer subscribe to the cable bundle anymore. Sure. And it was indispensable. You know, the sports channels were perceived as indispensable. And then with the rise of clips on YouTube and Twitter and everywhere else, a lot of people are just fine watching the clips and not watching the full games. And they're not indispensable anymore. That is completely correct. And as you pointed out with your mother, that quote cross subsidization is going away. And the people who subscribe to the cable bundle now are really only the sports fans. And only people who want news networks like Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC. All the general entertainment is really being viewed on other streaming services like Netflix. But what's crazy here is that these Bally's channels, the Diamond Networks, it wasn't that long ago that Disney sold them 
to Sinclair. I mean, it was uh, Disney got these channels. They were formerly yes. the Fox Sports Networks, and Disney got them in its acquisition of most of the Fox assets. The the Justice Department said you can't own ESPN and these regional sports networks. Sell them. So in 2019, they sold them to Sinclair for 10.6 billion dollars. Why in the world would Sinclair buy these networks? I think Sinclair believed that they would have more leverage in the overall negotiations for the broadcast networks that they mm -hmm. own okay. if they own the RSNs and vice versa. Because they own the broadcast networks, when they were negotiating with the cable companies of the world, the Comcast of the world, they would have more overall leverage and there would yeah. be... Sinclair owns stations. They own a bunch of stations around the country. That's their primary business. So go ahead. I think that they didn't understand that cord cutting was going to accelerate to the level it has where there are double digit percentage declines year over year in the amount of people watching cable now. And the primary business for Sinclair were these fees that they were getting from Comcast and Charter and, and other cable distributors um, that are now going away because you have less overall subscribers. Right. So what are they going to do about this? What are they doing and what is the plan and will it work? <laughs> well, this is one of the more complicated issues in uh -huh. all of media because there is a plan that Diamond Sports wants to have and there are limitations to that plan because of the financial position that they're in right now. Right. They have a ton of debt. They're uh, right. They have to service a lot of debt and they're on the verge of bankruptcy. They didn't make their last interest payment on their debt. So now it's a situation where it starts with what do the debt holders themselves want to do? And they have two real choices. One is they can just let Diamond declare bankruptcy, go away, and then the leagues are stuck and the teams figuring out a new distributor. Or these bondholders can say, you know what, we're going to take equity in Diamond Sports in these Bally networks. We are going to get rid of most, as part of that, we're going to get rid of most of the debt, but we are going to own the network and let's go and make a go of it and see what we can do um, with the contracts that we have with the leagues and hopefully get all the digital rights to create a side-by-side -side streaming service, which they've already launched for some of the sports. Take that and then go from there. But that doesn't really solve the problem. The problem, as you've described, is this industry-wide endemic shift that's going on and one model not really catching up to the new model yet. So what are the teams doing? The teams have seen this coming for a couple of years now. And you were actually just at the NBA Tech Summit that happened during the All-Star Weekend in, in Utah. Yeah. What were they talking about there? What is Adam Silver's plan for this? The truth of the matter is, like, just to be honest with you, mm -hmm. this business will never, ever be as profitable as it once was. Because all of these RSNs, regional sports networks, were over-earning. And as a result of that, they were able to pay the teams more than they should have been, which means the teams were also over-earning. Right. Which means ultimately the players, the players were over-earning, over right? <laughs> no one wants to hear that, but 
This was this is a business that has been floated by your mother and your grandmother paying for sports networks they don't watch. And ultimately, it trickles all the way down. So you have a couple of issues here if you're the leaks. The first thing is you need to maximize as much revenue as possible. Secondly, you need to bring the, the broadcast system into the future to kind of future-proof yourself. But number three, you need to do it in as not disruptive of a way as possible so that if, for instance, you took, you decided, okay, the league is just going to take these rights and we're going to have our own streaming service and this will no longer be on TV. Well, naturally, you're going to lose a lot of your audience in that friction. Yeah, we saw with the NFL when they went to Amazon this season, it was a success for Amazon, but the audience for Thursday Night Football declined pretty significantly just because there is a certain cadre of NFL fan who is not going to log on to Amazon. Exactly. And here you're going to be asking for a distinct subscription to the the new content. So only to the new service. So only the biggest local sports fans would actually subscribe to that. And you'll also lose the casual viewer in all of these local markets, which is not good for the health of the league. No, so it's they're devastating. kind of in a catch-22. Yeah, they, they have benefited from casual fans having access to the games via the cable bundle. And if you make that essentially a premium product for super fans to watch, you're going to lose so many people. And that ultimately decreases your fan base. Yeah. It's just a huge problem. Like I don't understand how it's going to work unless this is somehow rebundled or, you know, the league comes up with a great transition plan where they stay on the RSNs in whatever form they take. And they're able to reduce the prices for that, for that relationship. And then gradually they shift over to the digital to where in 10 years, we all of a sudden look up and it's 90% digital viewership and 10% on the RSNs, if they exist. So what you're talking about here is really threading the needle. And (laughs) most of the time when you try and thread the needle, you can't exactly do that. And there's going to be some sort of pain. So do you want that pain to be economic pain or do you want it to be fan interest pain or a little bit of both? And I think the league overall, or all of these leagues are grappling with that and all have different perspectives on the right way. What's your sense of the NBA's perspective on that? I think that the NBA wants to keep the current system in place for at least a couple of more years as they figure out a way to go and attack um, this transition to digital. And they're in a place to do it either themselves or with new partners. I mean, the NBA is at least a little bit insulated here because they're heading into another negotiation for their national rights packages, and they're expected to get pretty big gains in those deals, whether it goes to Turner again or ESPN or somebody like Apple or Amazon. The, the, the sense is that they will get a big increase there. The, the league that's really effed here is MLB. Right. Because the MLB national rights are not as valuable. That is primarily a local sport. And these local RSNs are carrying these teams. No, that's completely true. If you think about your relationship as a baseball fan, mine is principally I'm a Mets fan. 
And 90% of the baseball that I watch is around that is surrounding the blue and orange. And maybe if they're competing with the Braves for, you know, for the division or the Phillies, I'll watch those games. I'm sure for you, I don't know. Are you a Dodgers fan? I am. Okay. So it's, it's the blue and white for you. Mm -hmm. The MLB has not done a good job in terms of a promoting their sport and building sort of the national figures that you have in the NBA, whether it's NBA players kind of building their own storylines on social media, becoming larger than life stars. If you think about baseball, one of the biggest stars in the league is Mike Trout. If 99% of your listeners saw Mike Trout on the street, would they even know who he is? No. No. Most ba- and he's super boring too. Most baseball players are super boring. They're not. They don't have those personalities like the NBA NBA guys do. It's definitely not like the the mid eighties Mets. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but okay. But but looking at the media landscape here, the Dodgers are a good test case because the Dodgers did a crazy deal with then Time Warner Cable, which is now Spectrum, and their games were not available to most cable providers in the LA area for many years because that deal was so expensive that. Spectrum had to charge a bunch for the channel and the other cable providers were like, screw you, we're not doing that. So I actually switched over from DirecTV to Spectrum just to watch the Dodgers. Then of course, six months later, they did a deal with DirecTV, but that's another story. But that was driven entirely by the economics of the deal that the Dodgers did with Spectrum. And that is not going to be the case going forward. No. In fact, all of these deals are more or or less economically viable than they ever were. Mm-hmm. So base baseball has a real problem right now. Although maybe, you know, listen, if you're thinking about parity in the game, the whole problem in baseball has been that the big market teams command huge RSN fees and can then spend big on players unless they're people like Steve Cohen who is just independent. I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> but maybe this will level the playing field a little bit. It'll level the playing field, but again, right now, and and you brought up Stevie Cohen's name, he has kind of upped the ante in player salaries, and you have real player salary inflation, especially for the stars in Major League Baseball. Now you have a situation where you might have a reset on one of the most profitable parts of their business. Right. And if you have that, what does that mean? And it seems like baseball has not been eager to give Diamond Sports, the Bally's RSNs, the digital rights. So it seems like in the case of baseball, they want to do something in terms of having their own direct-to-consumer service. Well, they already do. I mean, I subscribed to MLB's app, and it's a great – I mean, the technology was so great that Disney bought the company that came up with their streaming technology. True. But I, I – don't know that I would watch baseball games on my phone like that. I do like having it on my my TV. Well, it, it would be a connected TV product, right? Okay. All but right. again, if you if you wind up going at it with your own service and you don't have any distribution on the traditional RSNs, then what's going to happen there? That's you're tough. going you're going to lose more fans especially when baseball has an older fan base. Right. So you kind of need to do both. You need to on the one hand uh, keep licensing your rights to the um to the ballys of the world and 
to plan for the future. Now, Bally's is like, plan for the future with us. Let us have the digital rights and make that into a profitable business. Whereas baseball, rightfully, is saying, what do you know about running a direct-to-consumer business? What do you know about creating a digital streaming service and most importantly, marketing it? Right. Well, what is, I mean, Bally's has a streaming service now. What is it? Does anyone subscribe? I don't know what it is. Very, very few people subscribe. It has some, it has some of the content, most of the MLB teams that they, um, that they work with on the, on the cable television side do not even have, they don't have the rights to even stream them. And it's just, it's not something that most fans are subscribing to now because those who it's expensive and those who do want that content are just going and subscribing to the bundle and getting all this additional content with it. They're not really the problem. Yeah. How, how much are we talking here? If these leagues were to go over the top and, and offer their own service, or if they are going to lean on something like Bally's to do it for them. Are we talking like 30 bucks a month to watch the angels? Yeah. You're, you're talking say 20 plus dollars a month to start with. But the question is, is that enough to keep the overall economic model intact such that the, the teams are still earning the same revenue? And our belief is no. So what you need to do is take that digital streaming service and add other potential revenue streams to it. And there's been a ton of other things talked about, the integration of consumer products, sports like betting. What? There's been talk about the, the possibility of Ruben and Fanatics doing something because they could, you know, sort of cross-sell um, some of the consumer products out Fanatics of there. Fanatics being the biggest sports memorabilia and, and, and you know, clothing seller on the internet. Yeah. And, and the question with Fanatics is, you say on the internet, but how much actual direct-to-consumer sales does Fanatics do? Right. To me, like, when I buy something that Fanatics has created, I don't go to fanatics.com to find it. And I think that most consumers don't even really, the, the Fanatics brand doesn't necessarily resonate with them. They've clearly never been to one of Michael Rubin's parties. I mean, look, if I was invited to Michael Rubin's parties. He's a great follow on, on Instagram, by the way. Definitely resonate with me. That white party looks sick. Yeah, if you like to see NBA players and rappers at big parties, follow Michael Rubin on Instagram. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. 
When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. The upshot here. I mean, this sounds like a really tough situation where it's going to be very difficult to maintain these levels of revenue. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's, you know, this market has been run up so much that people are, you know, it's due for a correction. Um, I know a lot of people thought that the Dodgers deal with Time Warner was a, a huge cash grab and, you know, was not the best interest in the best interest of the consumers. Um, but then again, I don't watch the Angels as a super fan, but if it's a commercial of a Dodger game, I'll flip over and check out Otani or Trout. And I am not someone who would subscribe to an Angels streaming service. So they lose me right away. So the way that some of the that the leagues are thinking about attacking that is by then taking these local digital rights and putting them together with the NBA League Pass or the MLB package, whereby you would get access to every game. And then if you, if you subscribe to the local, you'll you'll be engaging with everything else and it'll be an overall better value proposition. Hmm. Problem with doing that, in my view, and the NBA has to think about this because they have a rights deal um, coming up. If the NBA was to go and bundle those things together, then what are those regular season games that they're selling to Turner now and Disney and presumably Apple, Amazon and maybe NBC in the next deal? What are those really worth if the basketball fan is getting almost every game, including their local games, as part of another subscription? It kind of it kind of would undervalue that deal. So, again, we talked about kind of like threading the needle like that option has consequences, too. The takeaway from this is there is no perfect solution to the RSN model. And there is going to be pain taken in the form of either dollars to the teams or a little bit on the fan engagement side. Craig, does this appeal to you at all? Having, you know, you're, you're a cord cutter. You're our resident young person. Are you subscribing to uh, a Warriors service just to watch the Warriors? Yeah, I mean, I, I, my family has like a League Pass account that we use, and I also have a whatever it's called now, NBC Regional Sports login, whatever that is, so I can watch Warriors games. So yeah, I'll do whatever. But you're I out can. of market. That yeah. you would have to do that anyways. Like, if you lived in the Bay Area, would you do that? Yeah, definitely. You would. Okay. I, I mean, I'll tell you this: I would pay any almost any amount of money not to lose the Mets. For instance, <laughs> don't say that. Don't say that. Steve Cohen is listening. No, I know. Um, I, I'll be very honest with that right now. But if you go the direction of raising the price a lot to capture as much out of the super fan, you'll lose the casual fan, which again is horrible for the game. So, how do you price this properly on the, to get the most people in and and keep the health of your league intact as well as make the most money. That is not a problem that I envy these leagues having to solve. 
Well, and the moral of this story is that the NFL wins again. They don't have to deal with any of these regional problems. They all pool their TV rights together, do national games, and the local games are available, and good for the NFL. And most importantly, there's only 17 games for each team in the season. Yeah. So they all attract a lot of attention. 162 Major League Baseball games, honestly, there's really not that much incentive if you're not a super a baseball super fan to watch the games. Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. It's on. <laughs> it's like it's like my you know atmosphere at home. You and I, but we're huge baseball fans. Couldn't couldn't this all just be bundled into like the major you know the the, the media companies with the most money? Your Amazons, your Apples. Where now with an Amazon Prime subscription, now you get your local team with an Apple subscription. You get your local team. Doesn't that make the most sense down the road? Yeah. If if Amazon is willing to go market by market and pay $10 billion to get those rights, they can certainly afford it, but I don't know that they have the appetite for that. But long-term, it feels like that would be a huge win. It's an up, up front. It's a lot of money. But I mean, if you have those rights in perpetuity. Yeah. Brandon, what would it cost for Amazon to buy up all the local rights to every MLB team? Make their own red zone for MLB. (laughs) I don't know, somewhere maybe close to $3 billion per year. Yeah. Eh, listen, they can swing it. Sell a few <laughs> more packets of Pampers and toilet paper. They could swing it. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me. All right. We are back with the call sheet. Craig, are you excited for Cocaine Bear? Um, yeah, I've, I've actually got, we, we we were, we went to the premiere the other night. Uh, they invited us to the premiere. Mm -hmm. This is officially a pro cocaine bear podcast. Uh, we've been on that wagon for a while now. Uh, a lot of, a lot of town fans at the cocaine bear premiere. That that was interesting. The hive is growing. It it is. I got, uh, I got recognized a couple times just for my voice. I know people keep thinking I'm much older than I am because of my voice apparently, but I don't, I don't think I sound old. (laughs) You do sound older. I sound like I smoke cigarettes. That's what I sound like. You do. Yes, you do. Um, and I just tell people it's crack. It's just only crack. Yeah. That's why I'm so zany on the pod. Right. Uh, so we are not critics. Cocaine bear, not really for me, but I recognize that this is a phenomenon of sorts a mini phenomenon and the tracking for this movie is 15 about 15 for the weekend i'm gonna take the over i'm gonna take the over too i we've been to maybe seven eight nine premieres together and i have not received more inquiries about how the movie was than i have for cocaine bear Interesting. Now, interestingly enough, the review embargo for this movie for real critics is 1 p.m. the day before the movie comes out, which is usually not a good sign. That usually means the studio is not confident that critics will like this movie. I don't think this movie is going to be that impacted by critics, but if the reviews were positive, I think it would push this a little bit further from just being a meme to something that people say, oh, you know what? Actually, I heard this is decent. I'll go see this. Or maybe I, I'll see it in the theater and not just wait to watch it at home. Um, if the reviews, which we have not seen, are terrible, that could impact the box office. The marketing of this movie is is well done. And the title of this movie, I mean, this is a clickbait movie. I know, I know. But clickbait doesn't necessarily mean 
box office. Like they got to push people over the edge. And Universal's really good at this. They, yeah. We had Michael Moses on the show from there. They are very good at marketing these kinds of original movies. They do it with the Blumhouse movies. Uh, they've done it with, you know, some of their more uh, interesting campaigns for the Jordan Peele stuff. Uh, they've done a good campaign for this movie. We'll see if it works. I think that it'll have a strong opening weekend and we'll see if it holds on after that. I mean, the, some of the grisly horror elements are not for me, but yeah. they are for some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sadly, there was no cocaine at the cocaine bear party. Nor was there a bear. Not, not that we saw, well, no cocaine that we saw. I, I, we talked to a few people that may have been under the influence of cocaine, <laughs> uh, but I did not see any actually at the premiere. No. Oh, maybe for no. cocaine bear too. Cocaine bear in space. <laughs> exactly no it's too soon too soon to go to space that's cocaine bear eight yeah that's right they're gonna follow on the fast and furious path exactly all right that is the show for today i want to thank my guest brandon ross i want to thank producer craig holbeck and i want to thank you we will see you next week this episode is brought to you by state farm you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong but these are the words you really need to remember like a good neighbor state farm is there They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.